0: That's NOom.com to sign up for your trial today.
1: Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galena.
0: Acknowledge
1: me. And this week, I am joined by the dashing. I wish you could see him, everyone, but... Uh, Scott you, he, he looks like a superstar today. He looks a little little Captain America-ish. He's got the,
0: the blue. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N O O M.com to sign up for your trial today.
1: Blue shades, the red, white, and blue gear ready for curling. How's
2: it going, this Scott? Oh, I've never felt better, right? It's, it's hey, and you've never you know, looked better. Well, I know, right? It's it's that thing <laughs> like we talked about it. In, you know, when I was in high school, we talked about it in soccer, right? It was like look good, play good, right? right. That's, that's what this is. This is look good, podcast good. Mm hmm.
1: Yeah, so big week for list, right? PitchCon's coming uh, this Wednesday. By the way, we're recording this on Sunday, January 22nd. It's about noontime, uh, Eastern Standard Time. And uh, just want to take a, a second to talk about PitchCon, which uh, starts Wednesday. It's going to run Wednesday through Saturday. That's January 25th through the 28th. Um, runs 12 p.m. to 10 p.m. every day you could catch the live stream on twitch tv the pitcher list channel hundred uh, percent of the funds raised because it's a fundraiser uh goes to the als association got man the biggest and best in fantasy baseball are going to be part of this uh making presentations you got over 70 baseball analysts uh they're going to be giving out prizes uh um and uh, just uh, use the hashtag PitchCon on uh, Twitter if you want to get more information. But Scott, you're doing a presentation.
2: I am. Yeah, it's the best and brightest in baseball, and also me. So that'll <laughs> that'll be fun. Uh, I am talking will about. Will you be wearing things-
1: this 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 gear? Uh, oh, you uh, know that I will. Please,
2: please do. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So. Uh, you know, I will be talking about the thing that I always talk about, right? I'll be talking about rolling charts and I'm actually going to be talking about rolling charts using some of our new PLV stats. We have some really cool stats that, uh, I don't know if you follow Kyle Bland on Twitter at Blandalytics. He is fantastic. He's got really cool rolling charts that I've been able to look at that are still sort of in the the pilot stage, but things like, um, swing decision, like a rolling swing decision chart, uh, not to mention, you know, rolling PLV for, you know, the actual PLV, the, the, pitch value stat, like watching that rolling. I think there's some guys that I really want to call out to show why maybe you should feel really good, or maybe you should be a little concerned about someone, right? Because the thing with rolling charts and what they call out, uh, they sort of remind you of the journey the player took. It's really hard to remember that a lot of times, I think, because you just see that final stat line, but a good example, if you want to see a rolling chart, go pull up Alejandro Kirk and look at anything that shows power or Woba or something like that. And you'll see that, Alejandro Kirk's final line all comes from the first half, like everything. After that, he's this super average guy. And that doesn't mean he can't be good, but it is like context that's really hard to get. It's basically the rolling chart gives you performance and sample size all in one. Mm-hmm. right? You don't have to think about the sample size that's baked in. So I'm going to be talking more about those. Obviously there's there's cool stuff the whole time. It's all free. This is the kind of stuff that you pay for, usually. Right. Absolutely. Like, yes. You you pay to go to First Pitch Arizona or something like that, and you get some stuff like this. We have it's, you know, every hour there's new stuff. So even if you're, and if you're not getting it right away, you can't make that specific one. They all go up on YouTube after the end. That's really cool. And then finally, you know, last thing I'll say is uh, Pitcher List 8.0 is coming, right? Pitcher List mm-hmm. 8. That's coming. Uh, that's coming the Tuesday before the Super Bowl. Usually we do it right after the Super Bowl. This year we're doing it before just because the Super Bowl got pushed out a week. So, uh, it's, you know, it's coming right then I'm going to have all of my, you know, my top 30 for every position, my top 15 DHS and my top 100 outfield. That's all going to be done and ready on launch. This is my, this is my go time. I have mm. so much fantasy baseball stuff going on right now, but, but it's awesome. And I hope you all start getting into it.
1: Yeah. And let's remind everyone it's for a charity. Uh, for the ALS Association, ALS Terrible Disease, getting a lot of attention in the baseball community because uh, Sarah Lang's MLB contributor putting up a brave fight against the disease. So uh, it's all for a good cause, but it also could get you in gear to really, if you haven't started your fantasy baseball prep, you, this is a primo place to start. And uh, you mentioned uh, Pitcher List 8.0. I mean, Pitcher List uh, now becoming if not the but one of the premier sites to do your fantasy baseball prep just go to the player pages just the amount of information is incredible uh nick uh, pollock has just built an incredible site and uh i'm i'm gonna be watching all four days of pitch yeah. looking forward to your presentation
2: and just a teaser for a point 8.0 i mean one thing that we're going to have that we haven't until now uh recently we've updated it Pitcher list's expected batting average is better than stat casts. Why? Because we get the stat cast one and we add things like direction of like direction of hit, right? Like we add that in and stat cast doesn't. So when you see pitcher list 8.0, you're gonna get our stats, which we take the stuff that everybody's got and we work to improve it. We add in the stuff that we know isn't being added in at the first pass, right? We're when we talk, you know. Our expected batting average is better because guys who pull the ball a lot, that doesn't get reflected in regular expected batting average because regular expected batting average only cares about launch angle and how hard you hit it, right? But when you add in direction, that changes a lot of things. Like Mm -hmm. we knew that pulled balls, like pulled ground balls were outs a lot more often than balls hit up the middle, right? We know that. But regular expected batting average didn't add that in. We do. So we really are trying to become the place that has, you know, the stats you want to see. Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely. So um, that being said, uh, this week, we're going to be focusing on third baseman. And like you mentioned in our previous episode, uh, it was uh, just at the end, you said, man, third base is a tough position because there's just a cliff. Like once you get past that, those early, a few uh, third basemen, man, it really takes a, a nosedive. But before that, I just wanted to mention real quick, Scott, Something close to to you, you, uh, because I know you're a a big Tigers fan, some information came out about uh, Comerica Park dimension changes where uh, the center field wall is going to be moved in from 422 to 412 feet, and the height of the wall is going to be lowered from 8.5 to 7 feet. Uh, That huge wall in right center field uh, where the uh, out-of-town scoreboard is is going to be lowered from 13 to 7 feet in height, and the right field wall also is going to be lowered to 7 feet um, looking at Statcast ballpark factors, uh, Comerica park, already one of the toughest, uh, places to hit toughest hit place to hit. Uh, if I'm reading this chart, right home runs, but, uh, their, uh, triples are, are plentiful, but, um, any, uh, opinions or how do you think that this might influence, uh, some of the guys on your Tigers team?
2: Well, I'm sure Miggy wishes this would have happened a decade ago, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He'd get and so yeah, like, it,
1: it doesn't matter what dimensions he's playing and when he was in his the height right. of his career. But well, you're right,
2: you're yeah, right. Yeah. So actually, and, and Nick Castellanos was a, a really good example of this because he is not fast. You've all watched him run. You watched him run in playoffs. He's not fleet of foot, right? But he used to lead the AL in triples like every year. And mm-hmm. why? Because those giant walls in that in that deep, in those deep power alleys, right? So that's a, it was a lot of ground to cover. What you're going to see is Comerica might start playing more neutral to triples and probably get moved to more neutral in home runs, right? Mm -hmm. That's where it's really going to change. Some of those doubles and triples are going to turn into home runs because they were, I mean, you would just, you'd crank these doubles and triples off that huge wall, deep and right center. And now those can leave the park or some really deep fly balls into, into center are now home runs. Right. It doesn't sound like much, like 10, you know, 10 feet or whatever. It doesn't sound like much, but it's a lot, right? Because at yep. most parks, a 415-foot hit was a bomb in all directions. Right. But Comerica, if you hit that center, it did not go. Mm-hmm. So that's gonna be a big deal. You're gonna see a couple more home runs. You're gonna see, but it's not gonna be like Uh, I mean, a couple outs will now be home runs, but really you're going to see fewer triples, a a couple fewer doubles, and those will turn into home runs. That's a a bit of a big deal. If you'd been pushing guys down on power because they were in Comerica, you can now feel like they're in a more neutral park.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Going to be interesting to see how it does affect uh, some of the younger uh, Tiger hitters. You know, uh, no one's really talking about Riley Green or Spencer uh, Torkelson, uh, but they're, they're sneaky, plays, right? You know, really, you know, you probably get them for free in drafts right now, but maybe this will help them a little bit.
2: Yeah. It just makes them, it makes them that little bit more interesting. And, Mm -hmm. you know, again, a couple hits change and and that can change a guy from, especially with certain batted ball profiles, you could see someone go from like a, like a 15 home run hitter, maybe to closer to 20, right? Because Mm -hmm. some of Mm -hmm. those were just getting pushed down by Comerica. So, I mean, five would be a little on the high side, but, but that kind of stuff can happen. Right. And you do see players adjust how they hit because of the park they're in. Guys did not want to put the ball up in those power alleys unless they were absolutely rocketed, because, again, they they weren't going to leave the park. You had to pull more and now you don't have to. Right. So those little things can impact how players play. We see it all the time. All right. So
1: let's uh, I mean we've been avoiding it for, for as long as we can. But now we have to talk about third baseman there, Scott. So like, like I mentioned, top six or seven uh, finish the third baseman are solid options, uh, you know, barring unexpected health concerns. and But uh, from there on, uh, I mean, Fantasy managers move on to a land of hope, dreams, and potential when seeking out their starting fantasy third baseman. So uh, the number one uh, uh, fantasy third baseman coming off the board in NFBC uh, draft so far this preseason. uh, No surprise here, Jose Ramirez. Um, He goes anywhere from the first to eighth all-around pick. Cream of the crop at third base. Um, Had another good year uh, last season. 29 home runs. 126 RBI batted two eighty and all the while playing through a wrist injury. Uh got some off season surgery. Uh and you know, I, I was looking at his stats and I says, Wow, why did his barrel rate go down? Hard hit rate went down. Well, you know, at least we have a, an explanation, Scott, that the wrist injury, but didn't really matter. Still had an awesome year.
2: Yeah, that's rich that's wrist injury Jose Ramirez, right? <laughs> that's wild. He is <laughs> The, the question you're going to ask yourself about Jose Ramirez is not, is he good, right? That mm-hmm. would be silly, right? right. The guy's coming off a 29 home run, 20 stolen base season. The plate discipline is fantastic. The batting average, yeah, like his expected batting average, it suggested maybe he should have been closer to 265. He ended up hitting 280, but that's because he can hit the ball really hard. He's really fast. The biggest thing you're going to ask about him is not, you know, what is he? You know what he is. He's a 30 home run, 20 stolen base guy who's going to get tons of stats. 126 RBI last season, even though the guardians offense is not that good, right? He it was it's the of offense, average. right? <laughs> yeah, it was him. So what you're going to ask yourself is, is he worth the first overall pick? And what I'm going to tell you right now is yes, he mm-hmm. should be your number one overall. And that's because, right, especially in those deeper leagues. And I know they talked about this a little bit on the, uh, the fan uh, the, the Rotographs podcast, sleeper in the bust with Justin and, and Paul, and they make a really good point there, which is, If you don't take Jose Ramirez and you're drafting first overall, when you come back, that position is looted, right? Like people are taking a ton of third baseman in those first 24 to 30 picks. So if you don't take Jose Ramirez, you've got one more chance at a good third baseman, just one, Mm -hmm. right? Because then you got to take him at the turn. You have to take a third baseman at that turn. And that just really hamstrings you. I love taking Jose Ramirez right there. Number one, because he's absolutely worth the pick anyway. Right. But because of the huge drop-off at this position, to me, this position is seven deep after the first seven. I will probably wait quite some time because it gets really ugly. But that's you know, that because of the way that's gonna feel, and you know, you should try this out in your mocks. Uh try a mock where you pick first overall, you take Jose Ramirez and try one where you don't. And you're gonna find the one where you didn't. You're gonna really wish you did. Because third bases, I mean, you have to take one the next time it comes around, or you basically have to say, I am half punting this position and that kills me. I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to feel about that. I'm punting a position three picks into the draft, right? (laughs) That's ridiculous. (laughs) So, so I, I really recommend him as the first overall. That's where, that's where he'll be for me. Some, like some auction calculators won't make him the number one because they're going to use the projections and they'll say, Oh, some guys will be a little better. But the thing about it is project. There's more to your, you know, there's more to, evaluating players and, and where you want to pick them than just their projection. Jose Ramirez is a great example because yes, he's up there with the projections anyway. He's up, you know, he's like a 35, dollars $40 player. He's up there, but it's not just that. It's that if you don't, the way you have to address that position is now laid out for you. You mm-hmm. must take one at the uh, two, three turn or that then what, right? What are you going to do then? Right. Because then they just stop like they just stop going. Then you have to hope maybe you get Alex Bregman. And then if you don't, then you're screwed.
0: Hmm.
1: Yep. Um, Next thing I will talk about. And we spoke about him when we did our shortstop preview. Bobby Witt Jr., you know, 100 percent percentile uh, sprint speed. Can't speak right now. According to baseball savant. Um, We spoke about his plate discipline, only walked uh, less than five percent of the time and contributed to his 294 OBP. Uh, his OBP in the minor leagues was much better. The O-swing was above average, uh, 37.3 league average, 32.6. But no matter what, he still got on base enough where he stole 30 stolen bases last season.
2: Yeah, you know, I think the one thing I want to caution people against is thinking that there's like a huge another level for Bobby Witt Jr., right? 20 home runs, 30 steals, That that's I mean, well, number one, that is fantastic. But number two, I'm not sure there's this, there, there's this another level, right? Like I, I'm not sure that there's 30 home runs in this bat, right? Especially in Kansas city, which can be a tough place to hit home runs. Sure. I, I really like him, but I'm really, so right now my top tier is Jose Ramirez and Bobby Witt jr. And the more I think about it for a 12 team league, especially one that's head to head categories and not Roto. I'm really thinking that I need to have Jose Ramirez alone in the top tier because from because after that, you know, in an NFBC style league, absolutely Bobby Witt Jr. is my second because those steals are so important in a, in a 15 team roto with an overall component. You need the steals, but in a five by five, uh, you know, head to head categories with 12 teams, those stolen bases are a lot less important right? Because stolen bases are fluky from week to week. Uh, you know, you don't get to take them all with you, right? If he steals three bases in a single week, it's not like they carry over to the next week, you use them all up right then and winning the stolen base category by five doesn't help you the following week. Right? Mm. So it's, it, they become less valuable and all of a sudden I'm, I'm as interested in him as I am other maybe safer players like a Manny Machado. Right. And then right. of course, if you're an OBP, you've got to bring him down a bit more because this guy's not trying to walk, which is fine. I don't want him to walk more. Right? I want him to put the bat on the ball because he's so freaking fast. Hundred, mm-hmm. Like I like said, 100 percentile sprint speed. This guy can fly. So you mm-hmm. want him putting the bat on the ball. Uh, it's not like he strikes out some wild, right? He's just, his OBP won't be that good, sort of in this Tim Anderson kind of vein in that it's because he's not trying to walk, and that's fine. Don't want him to right. walk. He is going to get to run. Kansas City likes to let their guys run. Bobby Witt's going to lead off for them. Uh, I was surprised at how many RBI and um, runs he got in this Kansas city offense, he had more than 80 of each, but mm. it's again, he's obviously very good right now. I rank him two. I might rank him third, but you know, he's, he's probably someone I'm looking at at the end of the first round, not the middle of it. Like you you see in some NFBC drafts and that's all format based, right? It's all about format. The more stolen, like the more valuable stolen bases are in your format, the more you need to move Bobby Witt jr. Up. I know it sounds simple, but that's all it is. Right. Mm -hmm. And when I'm ranking for a five by five, 12 team, I always push stolen bases down a little bit because I can stream for them. And they're just not as important because you can win a week in stolen bases with two, right? Mm -hmm. It happens all the time. I don't need five. I need like two or three. Right. And I can get those a lot of different ways. I don't have to overinvest in stolen bases. So in that format, I might change it. Of course, in points, points is another format that doesn't really care about stolen bases as much. So you probably push him down, right? If you're in an auto neo league, Bobby Witt Jr is probably a little overvalued because those stolen bases don't matter as much. You'd rather have a guy who hits and walks, mm-hmm. right? Uh so again, it's all format based, so Bobby Witt Jr's value can really fluctuate based on the format you're in, but generally speaking, he's in that top 2 or 3.
1: Might be even a little easier to find some stolen bases based on, you know, the the new rule changes, but we'll talk about those as we get closer uh to the start of spring training, but uh it's going to be an interesting month, month and a half to the you know at the start of the season when we finally because we're making trying to you know figure out how the game's going to change or what the influence is going to be based on these new rule changes and you know we're all you know kind of guessing conjecturing uh but until we actually see games play, we won't know but it might be a little easier to, to pick up some stolen bases but we'll see um you're next tier and the third uh Shortstop coming off the board in NFBC, ADP leagues, Manny Machado. Not really much to say about him other than he's pretty, you know, awesome. Still only 29 years old, uh, batted 298 with an 898 OPS last season, 32 home runs, 109 RBI. Uh, uh, no, uh, 32 home runs, 102 RBI and nine stolen bases. So, you know, he could give you like a lower double digit stolen bases. Not really much to say about him. You um, could even just move on to Rafael Devers unless you want to talk about uh, Machado, but uh, Devers, ADP 20, uh, taken as early as nine, uh, as late as the 30th overall, and basically the sole survivor uh, in Boston, right? Uh, biggest bat left, 27 homers, 88 RBI last season, 295 batting average, missed some time in July due to a hamstring injury. Uh, took him a while to get back on track. because He slumped really badly in August, batted. 164 but from then on in September he was his old self I had a 901 OPS in September 98th percentile in average exit velocity but you're just the one thing that scares me a little bit about him but it, you know because of the weakness of position I, w- I will be drafting him but you, you got to wonder how is he going to function in a lineup without any protection around him
2: yeah, that loss of Trevor Story is a big deal, especially for Raphael Devers. I mean, he doesn't have anything around him, it feels like, anymore. You, you always think that this Boston team is going to find a way to make some offense, but man, it's hard to see right now how they can be a, a scary offense. That said, Raphael Devers is going to get his, right? I mean, he's going to get his stats. He's still at the, you know, he's still among the cream of the crop. He's definitely in this sort of top seven third baseman, right? He's right, max stat, uh, real, smack dab in the middle of it. Uh, just as, you know, kind of to mention to Manny Machado, Manny Machado is almost, a, I mean, he's just a slightly better version of Rafael Devers, right? I think that maybe Devers might edge him out in batting average, you know, more often than he won't. But Machado, uh, you know, his batting average has been really good. He hit like 298 last season. He actually also had a tough July. Uh, I don't remember exactly why, but he did he hit like 202, but he still hit six home runs that month. Uh, things like that. I, I do think the Padres offense is going to be better. They're going to have Fernando Tatis Jr. back for most of it. Uh, He's going to miss about the first month. He'll come back towards the end of April. And I mean, he's going to bat third for this team. They've got tons of weapons out in San Diego. I really like Manny Machado. And I think the one thing about him is just that he's kind of boring now, right? He's almost turned into this boring, (laughs) Yeah, 30 home runs. I'm like, yeah, how boring 30 home runs, a chance to hit close to 300, probably more like 270, 275. But even then, right, like Mm -hmm. he's awesome. You know, Devers. You know, it makes it sound like we're talking bad about him because we're worried about this. We're worried about that. But like, let's be clear. He's still real good, folks. Like, he's, Absolutely, yeah. he's really good. He's second, third round pick. Like he if he you know, if you didn't take Jose Ramirez at the top of your draft and somehow Devers comes back to you, like that's an automatic pick. You got to take him uh, mm-hmm. at that two, three turn, I think, because that's like the other guys are not like Manny Machado is not coming back. Right. That's not going to happen. Good so. Work he's you know he might but probably not right we've we've seen him go early much earlier than that he probably goes more like in the middle of the second round and he should right because everybody's going to by the time we have drafts everyone's going to know that third base stinks right Mm -hmm. it's really really good until it's really really not so you know again devers great guy to take on the only when we talk about that team context all we're really doing is worrying about runs in rbi which are already fluky to begin with right Uh, heck Bobby Witt Jr. leading off for those Royals still got 80 runs and 80 RBI. Devers is going to at least do that because he's going to hit 10 more home runs than Bobby Witt Jr. would. So, Mm -hmm. I I mean, we're talking about the concerns, but that's like concerns compared to guys like Austin Riley, who we're going to talk about in a second, and uh, Manny Machado, right? Like that, you know, concerned, like with big air quotation marks, right? Mm -hmm. Concerned. But it's really just like, you know, instead of locking in 100 like we would have two years ago, now it's like, OK, well, let's lock in 85 to 90 and see what happens.
1: Mm, yeah. And you kind of alluded to Trevor Story's uh, injury um, and so potentially he might miss the entire season.
2: Yeah, we have no idea. Right. Yeah. Um, You know, in my in my second base ranks, I had to pull him all the way down to like 28th out of 30th because we don't know. And if you're in a league that has like unlimited uh, DL or something like that, he is draftable at the end. Right. But if you're in a league that does not have infinite IL spots and all of a sudden, you know, you've only got one or two, you're going to need those for a guy that's coming back sooner. And if we hear that Trevor story is out until the break, I don't think he's draftable. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Next third baseman. We'll talk about, you just alluded to him a second ago, Austin Riley, ADP overall in NFBC is 23. uh, Had a career year, uh, 38 homers, 90 runs scored, 93 RBI. uh, Dropped that K rate a little bit and uh, raised that walk rate a little bit as well. Um, Slight improvement in his plate discipline. Batting average dropped, but look, this is what I think he really is. He bat- batted 273 last season, uh, down from 303 uh, the season before. Uh, 97th percentile in league max exit velocity. Loves hitting at home. 48 point higher batting average at home uh, last season, and a 171 point increase in OPS at home versus on the road. So, uh, maybe ran out of gas a little bit towards the end of the season, but didn't really still had an awesome uh season. Uh Batted 204 in his last 54 games, including the playoffs uh, with just a pedestrian eight home runs in those last 54 games, but still somebody that uh, I'll be targeting, obviously.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I talk about rolling charge and you see, you know, you kind of see him fall off a little bit at the end of the season. I'm not so worried about that. Every player has this happen and you don't want to overrate when it happens, right? Like you don't want to overrate the fact that, oh, he fell off at the end of the season. That must mean it's more impactful and that that could carry into next season. But that's just not how it works, right? Like we don't actually know what was going on. Maybe he was dealing with like a an undisclosed sort of injury, soreness, something like that. It's a long season. Uh, you know, these were his first two full seasons in the major leagues in 2021 and 2022. He's only he's going to be 26 years old. Uh, I, I think that you can you can write in that 33 to 36 home runs. I think those are there. I think, you know, I'm surprised he hit 38 home runs, only got 93 RBI. I mean, he really feels like someone that should get to 100. Again, 93 is awesome. I'm not complaining about that. I think that, you know, again, though, that 100 is very much in play. The batting Mm -hmm. average, the batting average is the one thing that that has really, uh, that's really made me happy because his rookie year, he struck out a ton, and it kept getting worse. And then you saw it happen again a little bit in that shortened 2020 season where he had these flashes of these really bad strikeout rates, and those are gone. They're gone. So Austin Riley, really, really excited about him. If you want, if you, if you told me you like Austin Riley more than Rafael Devers, I can't really argue with you about it. Right? Like this tier is really tight. Like the difference between Manny Machado and Austin Riley is stolen bases and it's not even very many stolen bases, right? Mm -hmm. It's just a few. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe I like the top of that offense a little better than I do Atlanta, but like, it's not that different. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, these guys are all really tight together. I expect them all to go basically in the second round. Right. And they're all good second round picks. All of them. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Machado might be closer to the end of the first. But, you know, between Machado and Devers and uh, Riley, you know, take your pick. Right. If you can get any of them, you shouldn't be like, oh, I I took a big step down going from Manny Machado to Rafael Devers. No, you didn't. Right. This is a great tier to target. If you couldn't, obviously only, only like three people have a realistic chance at Jose Ramirez. Someone is taking him in the first three picks. And if they don't, Hey, that's a freebie at four. Right. But yeah. the other thing I want to say is if somehow that does happen, that you were able to get, uh, you know, Jose Ramirez with a fourth overall pick. And one of these guys comes back to you, take them. I'm telling you, take them. Not only do you short that pool for your co-managers, they're all really good players, right? Like mm-hmm. in a Yahoo, you know, either either your league has a corner infield spot, and now you've got one with the other third baseman, or you've got two utility spots, why not, put the, why not have the best utility player? Sure. Right? A- and you've got coverage because that's the thing, the replacement level at third base is going to be really, really ugly. If you lose one of these guys, and you know, they don't have long injury histories, but if you lose one of them, there's not going to be one waiting for you. There's not going to be some like, okay. it's not like second base. So there's going to be some OK option out there. It's going to be the dregs. So if you get a chance to take two of these guys in this top seven, I say you do it.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Really good advice. Um, moving on. Here's the last guy in your uh, tier. Um, and also, there's a big drop off in ADP, so we'll probably take a break, a first break uh, right after talking about Nolan Arenado. Uh, turn back the clock, still only going to be 32 years old this season, but 293 batting average is highest since 2019, uh, fueled in part by an increase of 200 points batting average against off speed pitches. Also, lowered his K rate a little bit. Um, Batting average might have you know, been. Uh, you know over overplayed expected batting average was 265 so we'll we'll see uh what happens in uh, the season still a very very solid pick uh excluding 2019 arenado has seven straight seasons got at least 30 home runs just made it last season with that mark but 30 home runs and 100 rbi so uh you know this is you know This is the last, not the the last, last, but of the premier third baseman. I think this is kind of where we we draw the line.
2: Yeah. And and so, and when we say that, what we really kind of mean is there's a, you know, the other thing that he did do is he, he really had a, I mean, that 11.6 strikeout rate was really, really nice. And I think it does come from exactly what you called out, which is that improvement against off speed and breaking pitches, right? That improvement is a big deal. That's what you want to see these older guys do, right? They get smarter right? He's not old, old. The guy's going into his age 32 season. He might fall short of those 30 home runs, right? I mean, he's not in Colorado anymore, blah, blah, blah. blah. But if you want to talk about the guys who can feel pretty good about getting about 30 home runs and 100 RBI with a good batting average, you know, 265 or better, this is the last one, right? I mean, I think there's one guy who has a chance to move up into this, and we'll talk about him after the break, just the one. But after this, those guys aren't there anymore. There's huge question marks, you know, somewhere in their game. You know, again, there's one guy that's sort of like almost in this tier, but this is the last one. It's Nolan Arenado. You should feel really good about taking him again. He's in that group where if you can get two of the top six third baseman, you absolutely Mm got to do it. Arenado's one of them. And I'm just glad that he does something like this. So that those people that are like, Oh, we love Colorado. Like every year that he plays, he makes those people a little quieter because they were wrong, right? They want to be Oh, This is what he was like on the road. Because they don't understand how the chords effect actually works, it's both a positive and a negative. But you know, he's he's going to be good. the The Cardinals are going to do whatever Redbird magic it is that they do and have a team that scores a bunch of runs for no particularly good reason. All of their pieces are interchangeable. You know, they're going to out of nowhere. Some guy named Lars Newtbar comes out, leaves Zots for them, and, and can get on base like you know with a three sixty clip for Arenado to drive in. He's in the middle of a really good situation. You know, Paul Goldschmidt's still there. I mean it's going to be a really nice year for him even if it's a little less than last year you know while maybe he doesn't get you know quite to 30 home runs I think he'll score more than 73 runs right I think he should be back up to 80 or more Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. Uh, and the RBI he's going to get 100 RBI right he does that every year you know last time he didn't was 2014 it's because he missed like 50 games right right? Uh, and then of course 2020 the shortened season but that doesn't count right Mm -hmm. like because that was just weird all of Colorado was really weird that year but like Arenado again. He's locked in. Even if you talk about, oh well, he's going to come back. You know, he's going to regress to the mean a little bit. Okay, fine. Then he's still a really, really good third baseman. Fine.
1: Yeah, but this ceiling I, is in there. Yeah, I think I said excluding 2019. I meant to say excluding yeah, yeah. 2020. You know, you know what I mean? Right. When he <laughs>
2: plays a full season, he's yeah. really, really good, and he yes. pretty much always, <laughs> pretty much always plays a full season. The other stat that we didn't talk about is he's played at least 148 games, uh, excluding 2020. For yeah. every season since 2015. Those guys, mm-hmm. he's never hurt. He's an all-star caliber, he's all-star caliber with the glove and with the bat. I mm-hmm. love Nolan Arenado, and you should, too.
1: Yes. Yep. All right, so this is a good uh, place to take a quick break. Um, big drop in ADP, like I mentioned before. We'll be right back right after this. Alright, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, Joe Galina Scott Chu talking third base. And uh we're up to your next tier, Scott, and um the seventh third baseman coming off the board in NFBC A D uh in drafts, uh preseason drafts. Um Alex Bregman, Astros third baseman. Uh basically, you know, what you see is what you get mid-range twenty home runs, serviceable batting average. Doesn't run anymore. The You know, he had that 2017 in season where he had uh, 17 stolen bases. Last season, 259 batting average with an 820 OPS, uh, 23 homers, and 93 RBI. Very good OBP skill. So if you play in a, a league that tracks OBP instead of batting average, that really raises his value. Excellent plate discipline as well. Uh, career low K rate last season, 11.7 uh league average is 22.4 doesn't chase bad pitches 21.0 uh twenty one point eight oh swing rate league average is 32.6 uh you know had that one uh year where he hit the 41 home runs in 2019 but we talked about that being the rabbit ball year so um you know i don't think we're gonna see that from him again did get a little bit more loft in his batted balls last season so significant increase in his fly ball rate but to me he doesn't have the elite hard hit skills uh that allow him to be a premier uh home run hitter again but we'll see had the 38 doubles so uh another guy though I'll, i'll just mention huge home away splits as well 90 points better batting average at home last season uh just under 300 point better ops at home as well
2: yeah, and he's you know he knows how to hit in his home ballpark. You know, uh, Minute Maid Park has some quirks to it that right-handed batters can take advantage of, and, and so it's not that surprising. This is the guy that's sort of like, I he's almost a tier of his own in some ways because. He does have, I think, 30 home run potential. I do think he could do that. It's not super likely. I think that's sort of the best possible outcome. But at least he's going to have a really, really safe batting average for 260, 255. That's about as low as it could possibly get. He could do a little better. You're right to call out that 2019 rabbit hole. And like I'll keep saying, when you look at a player's you know, season by season stats and you see this big spike in home runs and it's only 2019, you almost need to throw it out or take you know, 20, 25% right off the top. And then you can say, okay, well, maybe that's the ceiling. It's not 41. It's probably more like 30, right? 30 to 32. That would be a more realistic ceiling for his power. I mean, just 35 is not, you look at all the advanced metrics, it's just not there for him. He doesn't bat, you know, he does. He just doesn't hit like that. He's not, he doesn't hit it that hard. His power is is there, but it's, you know, it, it is more doubles power than it is home runs a lot of the times. But he is a guy who, who's really, really safe. He's just, his ceiling is just a little bit lower then, you know, his ceiling is Nolan Arenado, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, something like that. So that's why he's in this tier below, but he is very, very safe. And I think he's the last one you should feel really, really safe about, particularly in these five by five leads. There's two other guys that I have in this tier who, you know, maybe if you really like young players that you might be able to talk yourself into, uh, even though he might be a little overvalued by the market right now, there's another guy who can steal a bunch of bases but doesn't have any power. That might be valuable in your certain formats, but as far as, like, across the board, valuable everywhere, Bregman is really, like, the last He's the last one I want to have as my starting third baseman because after that, I know I'm kind of, like, I, I'm not punting quite yet, but it's like, oh, boy, I am behind Ooh. on third base uh, compared to the other half of my league.
1: Right, right. And uh, the next third baseman, according to NFBC ADP, is uh, Gunnar Henderson uh, for the Orioles. Um, Last season, uh, played uh, 34 games in the big leagues, made his debut. uh, Held his own, right? Uh, 259 batting average, 788 OPS, has shown good OBP skills, Uh, throughout his professional career. uh, Despite being a bit of a a free swinger, Henderson struck out uh, just under 26% of the time in those 34 games, uh, which um, was close to his uh, professional career average. But despite being a bit of a free swinger, does find a way to get on base. Um, The uh, 23% O-swing rate's encouraging. Shows he's got some um, plate discipline. I mean, I think that steamer, uh, has has it right when it comes to their projection. I think he could be a, a twenty homer, ten plus stolen base uh, type of producer, but uh, gonna have to be a little bit of a change in his approach because uh had a little under than sixty percent ground ball rate last season, and that could put a obviously put a ceiling on his home run production production.
2: Yeah, yeah, you can't bounce it out of the park. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, you can, but that's a ground rule double. That's not a home run. So here's the thing. Gunner Henderson, he's a guy that, you know, newsflash, I'm going to talk about his rolling chart when I have my presentation later. And uh, unfortunately it's not going to be a great look, right? Because basically Gunner Henderson came out of the gate and just mashed, Mm -hmm. right? Like he, he was really, really good, but that rolling chart really starts, you know, it, it's still good, but it's a different level. You know, he, he sort of flattens out, uh, in an area that's not as fun, especially that strikeout, that strikeout rate climbed all season long. Again, this is not a very big sample. It's only 35 games. So uh, it's not huge, but that strikeout rate climbed and climbed and climbed all year. He ends the season, his last, you know, his last five games, his rolling strikeout rate is above 30%. So 15 game rolling strikeout rate. So over his last, really over his last 20 games, that strikeout rate was above 30%. That is not going to work. Right. Mm-hmm. Can't do that. Now, some of that is just adjusting to the major leagues and that's fine. Right. This could just very much be a blip on the radar, but it is something where you want to remember that just because the full season stat line looked like something that's not especially, you know, I, I was just talking about how you don't want to overweight, overrate when it happens, but when the full trend line only goes in one direction, that's scary. Right. Mm-hmm. Again, when his, his Woba flattens out, but it flattens out around like 360 something, that's still good. Right. And I definitely do think you have a 20 home run maybe 25 things go really well uh home run hitter in Gunnar henderson i think that 10 stolen bases are there maybe even 15 right uh he did steal more than that in the minors it's hard to translate minors to majors there but mm-hmm. i do think that's something that's in his wheelhouse i think that this baltimore team has a scrappy offense that that can really do some things you know it's nice that he's left-handed that helps uh, that helps quite a bit because it doesn't you know camden yards now sort of suppresses right-handed power a bit, uh, but not lefties. Lefties good still point. have yep. have it as good as they always did. So, so that's there. And, he, and the kid's only, I mean, he's, t- Gunnar Henderson is 21 and a half right now, right? He'll turn 22 in the season. So there's a lot of things that can still really go his way. I, I think I would say two things about Gunnar Henderson. Number one, he is a risk, right? He's significantly more of a risk than any of the guys we've talked about, right? Sure. This is the drop-off. Gunnar Henderson's ceiling is not Nolan Arenado. Right. Unfortunately. Right. I mean, I just don't think that's there. I think his ceiling is more like twenty five fifteen with a decent batting average, which Mm -hmm. is fine. But it's not that same ceiling. There's no chance that he ends the season in most formats as a top five third baseman. And that's okay, Right. But the guys we've been talking about up, you know, really in the whole first half of the show, they all have the potential to end the season as a top two third baseman. Right. Mm -hmm. All of them. That's gone right? This guy, he can't be a top five third baseman this season because the top of this pack is so good, right? But when you're looking at Gunnar Henderson, you at least shouldn't be too worried right off the bat if things are a little ugly, right? Because again, this is still a guy adjusting to the major leagues. It's different up there, right? So so you might need a little bit of patience with him, but just know that long-term, there's still a lot of things to like about this guy. There's a lot of reasons that you should be very excited about Gunnar Henderson, but I'm going to keep mentioning it. The ceiling is very different now than it was just a few minutes ago.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Good point. Um. And you also in this tier include Tommy Edman. NFBC doesn't. That's based on just the number of games, you know, that the individual players played in third base. But we've spoken about Tommy Edman, uh, in other episodes recently. But uh, from here we have another big jump in ADP. Um. Let's see. Gunnar Henderson had an ADP of ninety-two according to NFBC. Uh, ADPs and uh, the ninth third baseman coming off the board in NFBC ADP uh, is uh, Max Muncy Dodgers eligible according to NFBC uh, second base and third base his ADP is 148 so that's a you know 40 plus drop in ADP obviously a bit of a tough season for Max Muncy Uh, he decided to use rest and rehab uh, instead of surgery for his torn left UCL that Muncy suffered in September of uh, 2021. Uh, Maybe uh, he came back from uh, the injury a little bit too soon and it showed in a brutal first half that included uh, another IL stint in May due to elbow inflammation. Uh, You look at his first 80 games, and I'm sure you got rolling charts, you know, regarding his performance. Uh, First 80 games had a 159 batting average with a 609 OPS. Last 56 games, very similar to his career numbers. He had a 246 batting average, 852 OPS. And in those last 56 games, Muncie had 12 homers and 38 RBI. So uh, another guy, though, that could uh, benefit from the uh, ban on the extreme shift. And uh, I think that he's got a good chance, if any, you know, of uh, providing 30 homer, 90 RBI production again. And uh could outplay his ADP last year. I was not on him, but this season, uh, you know, I w- wouldn't really want to make him my starting third baseman, but I'm a bit more bullish on him this season.
2: Yeah. I mean, briefly on Tommy Edmond, if you play in Yahoo, he is eligible at mm-hmm. uh, third base because they have a five game cutoff, five starts. He had eight. Every other format will not have Edmond at third base. But you're right. We have talked about him before. He's stolen bases and, you know, some runs and a little bit of batting average. And that's about it. So here's Max Muncy. I just talked about, I was like, oh, the ceilings aren't going to be the same. Max Muncy is actually a little bit of the exception there. His ceiling is as high as a lot of these other guys. The batting average isn't. But the rest of the stats are. The thing is, his floor is much, much lower. And Joe, you you got me, right? I'm going to talk about a rolling chart. I got (laughs) to, right? Because first half, second half is very helpful. But... Uh, What you should know is in those first 80 games, right, his his 15 game rolling slug, which you should think of as about, you know, maybe 50 plate appearances or so. Uh, It's it's about it never gets above 500. He never slugged 500 over any 15 game sample Uh, in his first 80 games in his second half of the season. He does it a bunch. In fact, at one point. He had a rolling 15-game slug of 7.88. And then another, it was 6.67, right? And he does this for extended periods of time. If you look at this rolling chart, and you know, I'll talk about him a little bit in uh, my presentation as well, basically the first half of the season, it's all this very flat, very unexciting line. And then in the second half, you get to see the big peaks that we've known Max Muncie for, right? Mm-hmm. He's not a guy that's like, the end line used to be very consistent, but how it got there was very peaks and valleys. And we saw that again, that is a little bit exciting, right? And we have a reason for it. That's the other thing is, again, I know I said don't overweight, overrate when it happened, but we have another narrative to go with, and that was that injured elbow, right? Hard to hit the ball hard when your elbow hurts, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's just a reality. And it, it obviously started feeling a lot better when uh, in the second half of the season. We see it basically just click, right? The power really comes back. So there is a big ceiling there. Just remember that there's also a low floor. That That's really the only thing I would add to it is that there is a very low floor, but could he be what he was in 2021? Absolutely. Right. You know, again, except that the batting average is going to be below 250, right? It should be above 200, but it's going to be below 250. And, and I think the projections do well with this, right? The projections projections for him are going to be weird because they're trying to hedge like that bottom 25% outcome and that top 25% outcome. So they come out with this number of like 25 home runs. I just don't think that's how Max Muncy works, Right. I think we're either going to see a season like last year where he deals with injury and, you know, slumps and things like that. Or we're going to see a Max Muncie who is back to his old self and tearing the cover off the ball and hitting over 30 home runs. Like, that's Mm -hmm. what's weird about him is that I I would either be projecting in my head what I should accept as outcomes for Max Muncie are more than 30 home runs or less than 25. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think that it's going to be what they project, but that's because that's what projections are stuck with right? Projections are stuck trying to balance all this out. They're not even saying what's the most likely outcome. They're sort of saying like the range, like this is sort of a a center point for range of outcomes, but like he is very much a boomer bust player. That's something you just need to accept about Max Muncie. But this is a ceiling play. If you did miss on that first tier, there's a reason he's being taken next. It's because he's got the ceiling that doesn't exist elsewhere. Right. He and, you know, another guy we'll probably talk about soon have power, but it comes with a big penalty to your batting average. Of course, in OBP, Max Muncie, as good as ever, right? I mean, like even in this horrible season, it was still a 329 OBP. The OBP will be 340 or better, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's just. That's because he just walks a ton. He strikes out a bit, but he walks. I mean, fifteen point nine percent last year. That's not even the first time he's had. It's always fourteen to fifteen percent. So Max Muncy, tons of walks. That's all really good. Just keep in mind that the counting stats might be a little bit worse because he's very like he's a he, he's a little bit of a true like a three true outcomes kind of guy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, walk, strike, strikeout, home run, and then also the batting average just stinks. It just stinks because he'd rather walk.
1: <laughs> yeah. So.
2: Uh, He doesn't hit a lot of single, you know, he doesn't make tons of contact. It's just that when he does, it's tends to be very hard. The shift is something that I'm glad you brought up. I'll mention it one time. Like I have in all these podcasts, teams are still going to shift in a way. That's why I said extreme shift. And that's why I like that you (laughs) said that because that will change, right? Mm -hmm. You won't see the extreme shift, but they will shift, right? It's still going to be hard to hit a, it's still going to be hard for a left-handed batter to hit a single uh, between the first and second baseman because someone's going to be there they could pull an outfielder up they could just move the second baseman over there and have the shortstop play on they basically play just to the other side of second base uh, and then shift as the pitch is going right like mm-hmm. they're allowed to do that it's just at the time of the pitch right mm-hmm. so so we don't want to overrate it too much you might get a little bit of batting average back but getting a little bit of batting average back is still a 230
1: hitter yep for max so- Muncy and Henderson, risk to both of them. Who, who would you take a chance on if he was stuck at the third base position or even maybe, let's say, corner infield?
2: I think I think for me, especially because I think I can wait just a little bit more for Muncy, it's probably Muncy. He's also eligible at other positions. I really like that. Uh, I mean, obviously, so is Gunner. I think he's third and I mean, he might just be third. But,
1: right now, third according to <clears throat> NFBC, yes.
2: Yeah, so Muncy, though, Muncy can play, I believe, first – and yeah, he can play third, second, he can play actually second or third. He's not eligible first right. anymore, but second or third. And that second base eligibility is big. Mm-hmm. That's huge mm-hmm. with how that works. So uh, probably Muncie, but again, that's not to that's not to poo-poo on on Gunnar Henderson. It's just mm-hmm. especially in a five by five, uh, where I, I'm a little less interested in those stolen bases, give me Muncie with that big ceiling, and I'll just know that I need to pick, I need to have another third baseman ready just in case it doesn't work out for him. He is getting a little bit older. He's not old, but he's getting older. He's had injury issues. So I want another guy to go with Max Muncy, but I really want that ceiling, and I love that second-base eligibility. Mm-hmm. And that's in all uh, formats. He played right. 31 games at second, so he's available at that position everywhere.
1: Right. Yeah, you're right. That's huge. Um, two, two, he was eligible at two positions that you know have some uh, scarcity to them. But this is a huge uh, or big um, tier... F- you know, according to your uh, rankings. Um so, uh but according to NFPC, next uh, third baseman coming off the board tenth is Eugenio Suarez, uh for the Mariners. Only batted two thirty six last season, but consider that a big bounce back season since he batted a combined one ninety nine between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. Uh one of the few hitters in baseball who has uh, enough power to potentially hit 40 home runs, at least in my opinion, uh, can't roster him though, in leagues that penalize you for strikeouts uh, led the league in total number of strikeouts with 196. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe somebody that uh, you might stream because uh, he batted two sixty nine against left handed pitching last season. So uh, we'll see.
2: You know what I like about Eugenio Suarez? A couple of things. Number one, I do think that the Mariners have a really scrappy, exciting offense. So I really like him there. Uh, and, you know, he did hit 49 home runs one year. Guess what year? 2019. It 2019. <laughs> yeah, it was the rabbit ball. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure. Like, I think 35 uh, is, you know, 35. He could get 40, but that's sort of like the end of his true outcomes. But thir- I mean, lock in 30. Mm-hmm. Right. That's one thing he shares with that top tier is you can lock in the 30. He's going to hit 30 home runs. But when we talked about Arenado, Endeavors, and all those guys, it came with like a 260, 270, 280 batting average with upside for more. And with Eugenio Suarez, the upside batting average is the 236. Right. It's not, it's just not going to be higher than that. Uh, it, it's not even because of the shift or anything. It's just because he hits a ton of fly balls trying to hit the ball out of the park. Right. And he strikes out a ton. Right. He's going to strike out about 30% of the time. We have to accept that about Eugenio Suarez. But Uh, He is a guy who can, you know, he might not score that many runs, but he can get, you know, I I would say he's definitely good for more than 80 RBI. He's good for the 30 home runs, and the rest you're just going to have to kind of deal with. Now, what I liked about last season was that walk rate was back up. I mean, it's always been close to double digits, but for whatever reason, he, you know, when you combined it with a little bump to his batting average something that he fixed between you know 2020 and 2021 he was like barely 200 last season was 236 i kind of like him to stay like 220 or so uh, again there is downside for 200 but i think he can hit closer to 220 the only Sort of issue that comes with it is that still stinks. The OBP will be just above 300. That also stinks, right? So mm-hmm. you have to give up this ratio. But in five, one of the reasons that in my rankings he'll be higher than he is in places like NFBC or things like that is because in five by five, right, with head-to-head categories, batting average is the other fluky one, right? Because guys go on hot streaks and then cold streaks. Like every we call them rolling charts because they all go up and down, right? Everybody has times where their batting average stinks. Right. So batting average is a very fluky thing in five by five categories. And that's where Eugenio Suarez can kind of come in where it's like, look, he doesn't bat 210 all the time. The problem is that he bats like 330 with a bunch of home runs for like two weeks and then does nothing. Right. Right. And those nothings hurt. Right. But he actually wins you batting average sometimes because everything he hits leaves the park. So, Mm -hmm. Eugenio Suarez, guy, I really like. He has this, he's incredibly stable. He is what he is. He's easy to project 30 home runs, maybe about 150 to 160 total runs in RBI and a crappy batting average. But I like that. Again, it's not the same as a top tier. Right. But this is another one of those things where, Man, I couldn't get the top tier, or I'm looking for a second, third baseman. This is where you really want to be getting it—something that's projectable, because that's gonna that's gonna go away. I know I keep saying it, like it's the you're waiting for the other shoe to drop because it's gonna drop, right? The other shoe's gonna drop, and it's no longer gonna be projectable. Even Max Muncy's hard to project, right? Because you don't know what version you're gonna get. Eugenio Suarez easy to project. You just also know that certain things about him are not gonna be very fun, like his batting average.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, next third baseman coming off the board in NFPC. At the 11th, according to them, is Jose Miranda from the Twins. First base, third base eligible. I'm optimistic about him. Should get regular at-bats, especially since um, the Twins uh, recently traded Luis Arias to uh, the Marlins. And Arias uh, going to slip in as the Marlins starting second baseman. By the way, uh, an aside, <laughs> see that Jazz Chisholm, uh, who we spoke about, uh, in uh, previous episodes, uh, supposedly told the Marlins that if they couldn't find a center fielder, he'd volunteer as uh, their starting center fielder, and he's going to win a gold glove for him, he said. So we'll see about that. But uh, Yeah, if he
2: plays, to- yeah. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> and if you look at roster resource, uh, they list him as this, uh, the <laughs> Marlins center fielder. So we'll see. But it's uh, just a little fun. Uh, fun to make predictions like that in the preseason. But uh, back to Miranda, good minor league pedigree right 281 338 445 minor league career triple slash has demonstrated some really good plate discipline throughout his professional career carried over into his brief big league uh, debut 18.8 percent k rate in his rookie season that's across 483 plate appearances steamer has him for 20 home runs And uh, the Bat-X and ATC, which just came out this week, so happy to see ATC projections out. Um, They have him in, you know, upper-teen-level home runs, but uh, doesn't appear like he's going to kill you on batting averages as well. But uh, I'm kind of optimistic on Miranda.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's muted, but safe. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I I probably lean more towards steamer, uh, which was the 20 home runs. I really like that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that there's, you know, 140, 100, you know, probably more like 140 combined runs in RBI probably going to look like 70 and 70. Uh, so, like, you know, 70 run, 70 run score, 70 RBI, 20 home runs for Jose Miranda. That looks good. What's a little different about him compared to the other guys we've talked about in this year? He can actually hit for batting average. Right. 260, 270. That's right in his wheelhouse. So that's something you're going to get. Like the other stats will look very quiet, but at least you get the batting average. And it's like, it's like 40, it's like 30 or 40 points of batting average over a guy like Muncie or Eugenio Suarez. So if you don't need that power, right. Cause you already got it. uh, Miranda can give it to you. And you know, if we want to talk about power upside, this guy did hit 30 home runs in 2021 across double a and triple a, right. Uh, 30 home. I mean, 30 home runs are a ton. So uh, that, that was something that was kind of exciting, but he didn't find that power again last year. Right. Uh, and he hadn't had it in any year before that. So maybe there's something there that they can find. I mean, his, uh, 30 home runs and 127 games is pretty darn good, but he only had 17 and 146 games last season across triple a and the majors. So eh, not sure. I feel it, um, but I, I do think 20 home runs is there. I, I think, you know, and if not, he'll be close. I think the batting average is good. I think everything else is safe. Again, very different ceiling compared to these top tiers, but there is something here. There's something useful. Uh, he's also uh, eligible at first base, which is helpful. So this is really a guy that you're going to like in that corner infield or utility mm-hmm. spot. Right. But you you shouldn't be feeling that good. If he's your starting third baseman, this is probably going to be, we're already in that place where among, we're among the worst starting third baseman in your league. Doesn't mean mm-hmm. he's bad. It's just not the role you want him in. Cause you wanted the top half. Cause again, There's no chance that Jose Miranda ends up as a top seven or even top eight third baseman this season. It's just not going to happen. Right. Even a even a dream season for him. Right. Just still probably puts him like, you know, just inside the top 10 at best. Right. Right, Because that's just what his talent level is. But again, with Jose Miranda, at least there's a nice I I think there is a very nice safe floor here, especially with playing time. Arias out opens up time at both first and third for Miranda. He's going to find ways to get in there. He makes enough contact to play every day, so I, I do think he will, and again, th- if you really want to dream on a power ceiling, it's probably 25, but mm-hmm. 20 is a lot more realistic.
1: Right, right. Agree with you. Um, next, third base we'll talk about, 12th coming off the board in NFBC drafts, Matt Chapman, kind of similar to what you were talking about in terms of power, but you know, at the expense of a batting average, right? Uh, All the major projection models agree, expect upwards of 30 home runs, maybe even lower 30 home run totals. Uh, Good hard hit rate, 97th percentile per baseball savant. But again, he's going to kill your fantasy team's batting average, Uh, hit 229 in 2022 and 210 in 2021. Uh, I guess if you're looking for, uh, level of optimism. Good news is that he's had three straight seasons of increased contact rate. So he's probably reached his floor when it comes to batting average. I guess the two twenty, two thirty range I guess can't get much worse than that. But uh had a slightly more respectable batting average at home, uh batting two forty at home. But uh basically, you know, power with no batting average when it comes to Matt Chapman.
2: Yeah, and, and Matt Chapman is Uh, I I used to say this about Fran Mill Reyes when he was still good, but I call him a heartbeat hitter because when you look at the rolling chart, because of course I'm going to talk about a rolling chart, you look at the rolling chart where you see these big spikes and then big drop offs, right? So with, with Matt Chapman, what you're going to find, I've got his 25 game rolling slugging right in front of me right now. What you're going to find with Matt Chapman is basically he's going to have these times where he's over a course of 25 games. His slug is like 600, 700. He's crushing the ball. And then, it drops off and he's gonna spend a bunch of time slugging like 350, right? And then he's gonna slug. I mean, he's, he can be very frustrating to own that way. Well, mm-hmm. roster. I shouldn't use the word own. We wanna use roster. Ross, he's very frustrating to roster that way, right? Because again, it's very up and down for Matt Chapman. Uh, that said, when he's up, he is carrying your team. When he's down, you're thinking about benching him. If that's something that you're willing to manage, right? Uh, or if you're in like a best ball or something like that. You can push him up just a little bit because that power is real, right? I mean, on one hand, I sort of sometimes wonder, like, why do I rank him below Eugenio Suarez? Because he's got a better, he's got like sort of a better team composition. But it's just because 30 home runs probably is his ceiling. He hit 36 once. Guess what year it was? 2019. Yeah, it was 2019. Because <laughs> <laughs> guys like this, these, these extreme fly ball hitters loved 2019 right? And now the ball just doesn't travel quite far enough, right? When we talked about Comerica Park earlier in the season, we talked about how you can get a couple more home runs when you take 10 feet off the wall. And that ball added like 15 feet, right? So that that it carried just enough. So going into his age 30 season I think the counting stats you know the one thing that he's going to bring to the table that's really stable are those counting stats he's going to bat right in the middle of this Blue Jays lineup you should love that for Matt Chapman I I think batting average is going to be 220 you just got to deal with that I think Mm -hmm. 30 home runs is the upside he should hit more than 25 right 25 to 30 is where he's going to be but it is worth noting that other than that 2019 season he's never actually hit 30. Right. He hit twenty four in twenty eighteen as part of Oakland. He hit twenty seven again as part of Oakland. He hit twenty seven last season. Right. So I, I want to say like you can't lock him in for 30, even though it almost feels like you should. Right. Mm-hmm. But part of it is just those slumps can really kill him. Now, if you're yep. watching the rolling chart and you like one thing that was nice was towards the end of the season, his floor kept kind of going up, right? Uh he had times early in the season where his twenty five game rolling slug was less than three hundred. That's atrocious. It's not rosterable, right? Mm-hmm. But it did climb up. He had this big spike and then he never really got back to that. But if he can bottom out closer to like three fifty four hundred, 400, every player is going to have periods like that. That is manageable. Right. So hopefully that's what I see. I don't want to see any more of these 25, like these extended slumps. If he can just, if he can just sort of uh, raise the floor just a little bit, I think he's even more valuable. He's a little safer than a guy, uh, you know, maybe than some of the other guys like, like Jose Miranda is, is safe in that he'll give you batting an average and all this stuff. But, Matt Chapman, I mean, he's going to give you those big loud counting stats that Jose Miranda just can't. So, mm-hmm. so those are there, but keep in mind those slumps are really really ugly. Mm-hmm. Uh and unless he kind of fixes that, that's he's going to be this guy that you're sort of looking at just outside the top 10 at third base.
1: Right. Um next guy we'll talk about is the last player in your tier, uh the only other player we really didn't speak to. Uh, that is in this tier of yours is Ty France. But I feel like we spoke about him briefly, maybe when we did first base. But if you want to talk about him, that's fine. But let's talk about Key Brian Hayes uh, as the 13th third baseman coming off the board in NFBC uh, drafts this preseason. And not the typical power hitting guy that you'd expect from a corner infield position like third base. Only seven home runs last season. Barrel rate has decreased for two straight seasons. It was 3.9 last season. League average was 6.7. But Hayes did something that a lot of third basemen don't do. He stole 20 bases in 2022. Um, And uh, has an above average contact rate. Um, 81.1 is about five points over the league average. But something seemed a little bit off about his swing. Infield fly ball rate. Of just under eleven percent, previous season was two point nine. So league average ten point two. Maybe maybe his timing was a little off, but uh, you know, more uh, of a, a stolen base guy. I don't know if those if he could replicate those twenty stolen bases. Should we read? Are we reading too much into it? But what do you think about Brian Hayes?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll touch briefly on uh, Ty France in that I rank him right above Jose Miranda because like, I think he's more likely to be what I, every everything I said about Jose Miranda is just like kind of what Ty France will be. thing with Ty France is he's not going to, you know, he 20 home runs probably is about the ceiling. It's stunk that he missed time because he's an accumulator, right? Uh, he's a little more valuable in deeper leagues. He's also eligible at first, but that's what you need to know about him. He's like a 20 home run and accumulated stats and his batting average is a little bit better, right? Uh, so. Cabrian Hayes, Cabrian Hayes. It was really weird, right? Because if you told me he was going to have like 27 combined home runs and stolen bases, I was absolutely on board. I just did not think it would work out the way it did with Mm -hmm. seven home runs and 20 stolen bases for Cabrian Hayes. Uh, He is fast, right? He is extremely athletic, but the, the power is is something I thought that would just be there more. He actually hit five home runs in 2020 uh, despite only playing twenty four games, and then he hit ninety run- six wow, home 96. runs, or I am sorry, he hit six home runs in 96. Yeah, that'd be really good. I hit he had six home runs in ninety six games back in twenty twenty one, right? So like he had eleven, he had eleven home runs in what one hundred and twenty games, right? So I was like, okay, well then let's talk about fifteen, right? With a ceiling for more if he develops into more power, and I still think he can develop into more power. But now I am kind of thinking like, okay, so I think again that he can get close to that. 25 to 30 combined home runs and stolen bases i just think it's going to look more like 12 home runs and 15 stolen bases or mm-hmm. something like that right i, I do think that'll bat like that'll balance out a little bit i think the counting stats can be a little better i think the pirates have done some really weird stuff this offseason right like really we're like what, why did they bring in rich hill right is he supposed to coach <laughs> like what are they, well what's the plan here my you know i, I work for a bank that, that's headquartered in pittsburgh my boss is a big uh pirates fans so we've been talking a lot about the pirates and a lot of it's just like scratching my head like yeah you know i like these players but not for the pirates right mm-hmm. like why do they keep signing these other guys but I, I do think they have like a like they have g-man choy i think they have some scrappy pieces there so like the top and middle of that lineup could score a little more runs like he only he did not get to 100 combined runs in RBI despite playing 136 games last season. That's brutal. That is just killer. You can't have guys that have less than 60 runs scored and less than 60 RBI, right? Man. Because that meant all of his value came from stolen bases because he also only hit 244. I think he can hit closer to 260. I think the the pedigree for hit tools there, I think that uh, you know, what we saw from before is more real than what we saw this last season. I think it was a, a bit of an adjustment season. It almost felt like that soft, you know, that sophomore slump we talk about a lot. What we mm-hmm. really mean by that is adjustment period, right? Teams have more time to, to understand where your holes are. Uh you're you're seeing more and more pitchers. It gets a little bit harder, but I do think that there's like a 12 home run, 15 to 16 stolen base kind of guy with more counting stats. When you put that all together, I think now you're looking at a guy who is who is rosterable as a corner infield sort of utility guy? There is some ceiling there. He was a highly regarded prospect, but Cabrian Hayes, maybe when he first came out and he showed us a ton of power, I think we now all know that's that's something he can only do for short spurts, right? He mm-hmm. can do that for 24 games, right? Yep. Not for 150. So I think what you're looking for in Brian Hayes is double-digit home runs, double-digit steals, and you really want to see the more combined runs in RBI. I think that can all come, but there is risk there, right? Because if he does what he did last season, those 20 stolen bases don't matter that much in 5 by 5 or in 12-team leagues, right? Mm -hmm. That was great for the NFBC and where you're always scrapping and fighting for stolen bases, but in 12-team leagues, you can usually find that stuff out on the wire. Right. Mm. You can go stream some stolen bases using matchups and things like that. And we talked before that. I think that's the impact of the stolen base rule changes. Right. Uh, the fewer pickoff attempts, the bigger bases. I think that's going to mean that certain teams are going to be victimized by stolen bases. So that'll make them more streamable, which, again, makes a seven home run 20 stolen base season for Cabrian Hayes less, you know, v- much less valuable to me. Uh, then maybe it sort of appears in a 12-team league. But again, Cabrian Hayes has ceiling for more, and I would love to see him be a 12-15 to 15 home run, 15 stolen base kind of guy. I think that's in his wheelhouse. That can be done. If he does that with a 260, 270 average, you've got a real nice-looking player there. But mm-hmm. that's that's the dream, right? He hasn't actually showed us he can do that yet, so that's where sort of the disconnect is where I say, I think he can do this, but like he hasn't yet. Right. So yeah. that's why he's, he's more down here. He's not someone I'm necessarily targeting in drafts, but if he falls far enough, he's like, I'm like, okay, all right. I, I could see this as my, as my backup, you know, sort of third baseman last utility guy, uh, sort of thing or in those deeper formats. I'm like, okay, I, I can, I can see this as my utility or corner infield and a 15 teamer that, that that's useful. If you're trying to use him as anything more than that, you're dreaming.
1: Mm. Um, yeah. When you talk about the pirates, <laughs> they are kind of a, a strange organization, right? Um, uh, they re-signed uh, Andrew McCutcheon, which is nice, you know, coming back home. Uh, that made sense because they
2: need people to go to that park. And there's not yeah, a yeah. lot of boys, other reasons. Yeah, they yeah, still yeah, love Cutch there.
1: Sure, and they should. Um, they're holding everybody ransom for Brian Reynolds. I want my Yankees to get him, but I don't know if that's going to happen. But uh, they also, uh, Miguel Anderar, they just released him, but eh, whatever. Uh, but uh, uh, this is a good place where we could take a break. Um we're going to finish up the third base position. Uh, there's a guy that uh, we'll talk about next that I have some optimism about. I want to see what you think about him, Scott. We'll be
2: right back right after this. And we're back. Hacks
1: and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. Joe Glena and Scott Chu talking third base. And moving on, the 14th third base we're coming off the board in NFBC. Preseason draft Scott is Alec Bohm for uh, the Phillies and won the third base job early last season, but kind of another, you know, corner infield that, that doesn't provide the type of power, uh, you know, the 30 home run power so far that you'd expect from uh, your fantasy third baseman. But I think there's some hope there, because uh, you know, he just doubled his launch angle compared to 2021 season. So maybe, you know, that that might mean something. Uh obviously that means his fly ball rate increased, but uh, still below the league average, right? League average uh, was 37.2 last season, Bombs was thirty and a half. Uh but uh batted two eighty, expected batting average was two ninety, dropped his K-rate by almost 10% last season. Good deal for a young. Hitter like Bohm uh, had a career best K rate of 17.4, also had a career best 81.2% contact rate. Remember, league average was 76.6. And hey, if you're still playing DFS, uh, you know, 352 batting average against left handed pitching uh, last season. So keep that in mind when you're making your DFS lineups.
2: Yeah. So Bohm came out and he was supposed to be like a prospect with some power, and it just wasn't there. Uh, for, for the Phillies, I mean, it was like in his very short debut and then it kind of went away. And what we saw really was in the second half of the season, just a little bit more of, of that, you know, a little bit more of that power, even though when you look at the splits, it doesn't look like there was a lot more of it. It's, I mean, you're looking at 14 less games and he had one more home run and just like two less doubles, despite playing again in uh, actually 16 fewer games. So he definitely was turning that on a little more. He had some nice spikes. The rolling charts will show you that particularly on the slugging side. Uh, the, the batting average was, was also really, really nice. I, I think 20 home runs is probably the ceiling for Alec Bohm, which is not super exciting. Uh, I think that a great season for him would be one that looks a lot like what we talked about for Jose Miranda and for Ty France, mm. right? Um, he had a lot of counting stats and maybe he can repeat that piece, right? Because the, the Phillies have done a lot to really fill out that, that lineup. It's going to move him down in the lineup. He actually spent quite a bit of time last season hitting higher up in the batting order. I think then uh, he will again, right. He bad. He actually hit third for 40 games. He hit second for a bunch of games. Um, and then, you know, later on or you know, at other times he was batting towards the bottom of the lineup. I think that's probably where he goes uh, just because of the other pieces. They've pieces they've added. Uh, I, I haven't looked quite at roster resource and where they think he's going to hit. I, I can take a look right now. Uh, yeah, so they've got him down at seventh, and that means the counting stats will not be the same, right? Because he's not going to have 60 games where he's batting second and third. That's probably not going to happen. But uh, I do think that there's some some value here for him to be a Thai France-like player, right? And in Yahoo leagues, he's eligible both at first and third, so that's pretty useful. Uh, it, it's it's just, you know, it's like muted power, right? Um, you know, the highest projection for anyone is 17. And that's FanGraphs depth chart, which takes Zips and Steamer and sort of smashes them together. Bad X gives him sixteen, ATC gives him sixteen. They also project about seventy runs and seventy RBI. Uh, that's probably more realistic. There's no way I think he gets back to seventy nine or eighty like he had last season. That all comes from batting second and third, and you can't get that many batting seventh, right? It, it just it doesn't it doesn't work that way. But the good batting average. I think that's real. I think the OBP is going to stink because he doesn't walk. He's a contact slap hitter kind of guy. Um, and, you know, you know, 15 home runs or so with some decent counting stats considering that he'll play every day and has a good batting average. I mean, that's all there. It's just not exciting, right? Mm-hmm. His His ceiling really is like the 14th best third baseman or something like that especially batting seventh that's really the big change he's going to have he only spent 30 games down there last season now i would be projecting just about the whole season and that's a big deal it doesn't sound like it's much but batting order really really matters especially when it comes to his run and rbi and so that that 280 batting average is going to mean less because it comes down there which means fewer plate appearances uh even if he plays the same number of games as last season i think it'll be hard for him to get to that 600 plate appearance mark because he's only batting seventh. There's going to be times that he doesn't get to come back up that third and fourth time, right? Especially that fourth time. And it's never going to be five, right? Unless it's like an extra inning games and they get to like 11, right? Like that's just not going to happen. So uh, you you have to pull the the plate appearances down. And every time you do that, it makes that batting average that 280 batting average, it makes it less valuable and that stinks, right? Um, I also don't expect him to slug more than 400, right? Because that's just, he doesn't have that power, right? He slugged 481 in his first 44 games, and then nothing, like, and then it just wasn't there. And that's just kind of unfortunately what he is now. So Alec Boehm, a guy who can give you the batting average, and batting average is hard to find late in drafts. So I'll yes. give him that. Uh and, and I think it's a it's a nice floor with just no ceiling, right? <laughs> like that's yeah. he just kind of is that. He's he's a poor man's Ty France, right? He's a poor man's Jose Miranda with a little bit better batting average, right? Um, you know, around this time, if you're in Yahoo leagues, uh, you'll know that Luis Arias is available as a third baseman. I rank him above, uh, you know, I ranked him above Alec Bohm, even though he has less home runs. Cause he adds in like the, you know, you know, he adds in a couple steals and I think he's just going to score a lot more runs and he leads off. Mm. Right. So that's really where the difference is where, you know, even though he might only hit half the home runs as Boehm. He also is going to get a ton more runs and his batting average will be 30 points higher and his OBP will be, you know, 70 points higher. Right. And all that stuff happens and it, and he leads off. So all that stuff matters more. Right. So that's kind of just where it all comes in. It's a lot to say about Alec Bohm. That's probably more than I'll ever talk about Alec Bohm again, <laughs> but it's really the biggest thing I want you to remember about Alec Bohm is everything he did last year is great, except you have to expect all the counting stats to come down, even if he hits a couple more home runs because he's batting seventh now.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh next third baseman coming off the board, uh, and then FPC we don't even really have to talk about him uh because I agree with you. You dropped him into the next uh your your next tier uh is Josh Rojas. Eligible second and third base for the Diamondbacks. You know, I don't really see the appeal other than, you know, he stole twenty three bases last season, you know, uh you know, hit two sixty nine. I, I really don't see it. But uh what about Brandon Drury? um i like the first second and third base eligibility uh kind of like that he went to go play with the angels but when i you know because i figure that's a, a good hitting part but you know w- when i looked at you know his home run total um yeah, you were a little surprised to see that of his 29 home runs that he hit last season including the one that he had in the playoffs when he was with the padres only 23 of those 29 home runs would have been home runs at Angel Stadium. Yeah, take that for what it's worth. But um, as a, a 20 home run, 162 game average for his career, going to be, like I said, he's eligible at all those three positions, but going to be the Angels, uh, according to Ross Resource, the Angels starting second baseman next year.
2: Yeah, I'll start with Josh Rojas. And here's what we I'm only going to talk about this because it's very relevant to what we just talked about with Alec Boehm. You know why Josh Rojas got all those steals last year? Because he hit first. Right. 45 games last season, 186 of his plate of his at-bats, 207 plate appearances, batting lead off for the Diamondbacks. And that's where 10 of his stolen bases come from. Right. Uh, Now he's going to be batting more like fifth. Right. And probably platooned. He was able to carve out this role on a team that was very empty. Right. But now he's more like large side of the platoon player at third base, uh, especially with all the other additions that they've made, uh, you know, Catal Marte is going to be there to play second base. They've got other outfielders now. They don't need, uh, they don't need to move Catal Marte into the outfield, which is how Josh Rojas got into playing second base. Like all that stuff's happening, so they just don't need Josh Rojas as much because he's just not that exciting of a player, right? I mean, he's like a 250 batting average guy, slugged well less than, uh, 400 at 383. Uh, he's just he's just a lefty that had a great role as a leadoff. He bat first and second for you know like half of his games. Right. He almost never hit below fifth. And now I think fifth is the peak of where he'll hit. Right. right. But if Floris Gurriel has a decent season, I see him sliding up. If Gabriel Moreno comes in and, and you know, gets more of that job, I could see him coming up and being a DH or a catcher and him hitting above Josh Rojas because Josh Rojas just ain't that special. So no, you sh- no, no. He, I think he should really not even be drafted in mm-hmm. like 12 teamers right agreed uh yeah. he just you just don't need him stream you, you will be able to stream him or someone like him at any given time mm-hmm. so he's just not that valuable to me other you know anyone in the nfbc chasing stolen bases i think is barking up the wrong tree because this team is, is just different than it was a year ago in terms of composition especially with those guys that have come up brandon drury is interesting too i know we talked about him a little bit before uh, what i'll say briefly about him is yeah sure he won't hit 30 home runs again but if he hits 20 I mean, that's that's a decent player uh that can play many, many positions, right? So he's more of like your like he's he's a guy where where I say Josh Rojas isn't draftable, I think Brandon Drury is draftable because maybe you never really got a second baseman you liked, you never got a third baseman you liked, you took some risks at first, second, third, and you need that backup guy. There's your last utility. There's the one bench, like the one hitter you keep on the bench in a 12 teamer like Yahoo, right? There's a, you know, he's he's like that last hitter on your starting lineup. Maybe your utility guy in case anybody gets hurt or is missing time or is really cold. Maybe you slide in Brandon Drury. That's his role for your fantasy team. And that's useful, right? And maybe he does find more power again. That'd be cool, but maybe he doesn't, and that's fine. Yeah. I think that 20, that 20 home run average is is just about right for a guy who's been in the league for quite a while. I think that uh he's he's useful if it's just not special or important, right? You don't want to go into your 12 team league going, oh yeah, Brandon Drury is my starting blank. Mm-hmm. Right except for oh yeah he's the guy in my utility spot or you know i'm in a espn league so i needed another you know i needed that infielder or a corner outfielder and i had you know i had to fill five outfield spots so something had to give so i took brandon jury later slapped him in he can play corner he can play middle he might fill in at second base something like that that's fine great, just great understand that's easy Yeah, great depth piece and just not much else. He's at this range, too, where position eligibility is a lot more important than it was in the first half of the draft, where you're just looking for, like, best players and filling spots that you needed. You don't have as many needs at this point in the draft, right? Mm -hmm. Except maybe a backup hitter, and he can play a bunch of positions. He's, like, all over the infield except shortstop, so why not? Why not? He doesn't have to be special. He just has to be decent, and I think he can do that.
1: Yep. So let's finish up our discussion on third baseman. Um, Any of these guys that uh, are in your you know, you know were your last tears or whatnot. I mean, interest you at all? I mean, you know, Josh Young going to start out the season healthy. You know, missed a, a big chunk of it uh, due to preseason shoulder surgery. Came back in August, good power, five home runs in twenty six games, but struck out almost forty percent of the time. Then you got Anthony Rendon coming back from injury. We know it. We what we know what he could do when he's healthy. You know, John Birdie, do you believe in all those stolen bases from last season? You Got a new manager. Um, you know, you talk about stolen bases sometimes being, you know, unpredictable because of the strategy that, you know, a team might have. You know, DJ LeMay, coming off of an injury, but we know what he can do, you know, give you a good batting average and some moderate power, you know, when he's healthy. And then you got Justin Turner in, in, in Boston. Any of these guys, you know, t- tweak any of your interest.
2: Yeah. So, you know, let's talk about John birdie real quick. I I think with the, the addition of Luis Arias, you know, the big trade they just made for Luis Arias, that takes John birdie off my board. John birdie was just a stolen base guy and he got to do that because he'd lead off uh, on a team that kept getting hurt. But Luis Arias is the lead off guy now. Right. So he might steal a couple more bases than before the twins have never been a big stealing team. And Luis Arias has some speed where he could do that. He's also just on base a ton. Right. So, so there's that. So, you know, John birdie had value at cause he stole a bunch of bases in a very short amount of time. And I think that's over now like that. That's just, he's a bench guy, right? He, so many things have to happen for him to get up there. Nobody, you didn't draft, you didn't need to draft John birdie. You added him when he got added into the lineup, right? So John birdie should be off your board. I think Josh, Josh Young is, is really interesting because he was a very highly regarded prospect going into 2021. He was way like he was inside the top 10 for some people because mm-hmm. of how well regarded he was as a prospect. He, we then he got hurt, and then we saw all these uh we saw all these strikeouts. I will say this. his rolling chart is kind of fun because if all you do is look at the line, you're like, oh man, he was really improving, but that's because his rolling strikeout rate uh, at the start of the season was like fifty six percent, right? <laughs> and he brings it down to like thirty <laughs> right and And he really needs to be uh, because he you know, unless he's walking more than what what we saw, right? He only walked three point nine percent of the time last year, although he was walking more like. Uh, you know, he he's shown 10% or so walk rates at times, right? Uh, but if he's going to, if he's going to strike out 25 to you know 27 to 30% of the time, which is realistic, he's going to need to walk more to have any kind of batting average, but there is a bunch of power potential in this bat. He could be a 25, 30 home run guy. If things go right, it, uh, it won't come with much batting average. It's hard to say exactly how much leash he's going to have over in Texas. Uh, he's got to stay healthy. That's not something he's really done throughout his, you know, even his minor league career. So, Lots of things to think about there, but there is a lot of potential there. I think, you know, in dynasty leagues, he's rostered everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And then in your redraft leagues, I I think he is worth late round consideration, especially if you maybe took a Max Muncie as your third baseman, you need another guy who maybe could pop off. That's something there. Uh, You know, third base again, we we get to cover like we spent all that time talking about like the top 15 third baseman and we're going to do all the rest here in about six minutes because we just don't care. Uh, you know, like I'm not interested in 12 team leagues at all. And Ryan McMahon, I don't care about him. Uh, I don't care about, uh, you know, Yandy Diaz is batting average only. He's like a poor man's Luis Arias. I don't care about him. Uh, DJ LeMahieu. Yeah. Remember that one big year we he had a bunch of home runs trivia time. Joe, what year was that?
1: Uh 2019. It was twenty nineteen,
2: <laughs> son of a gun. You're you're figuring this out. That'd a thousand uh, so, today. <laughs> so uh so yeah, his power potential is like fifteen home runs, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, he he can hit for batting average. And that's what's weird though is that you hate to use like a late round pick uh as a flyer on a guy with that low of a ceiling, mm-hmm. right? Because he would need to be leading off, you know, to get the value that he had back then, he needs to be leading off, right? And the Yankees just don't really seem that interested in that anymore. Uh, Mm -hmm. But if that happens, right, if he's on your wire, you should be scooping him. If he's on your bench, you should think about putting him in. If that starts happening, I just don't expect it to. But if it does, there's there is some value there. Uh, Other guys to maybe have on your watch list. um, Justin Turner is a guy who I think will get drafted in some leagues because when he plays, he's good. Right. He's just, you know, again, he's like a he's like a Jose Miranda or Ty France with more injury. He was more injury prone and he's not a Dodger anymore. Right. Batting batting in the middle of that Red Sox lineup is a whole lot different than hitting third for the Dodgers right yeah uh, because yep. the because boston's not beholden to him right they don't he's gonna bat third but with who else it's him and rafael devers that's it so mm-hmm. uh you know other guys for your watch list but he can be there because he can hit for a good batting average he does have a bit of power uh he could be a nice fill in. luis garcia of the nationals is uh eligible at second third and short in yahoo leagues at least um he's shown that he can be a you know high batting average again i know i'm comparing a lot of guys to like the Jose Miranda stat line, but that's the kind of ceiling these guys have, right? 15 to 20 home runs, a couple of decent sco- uh, County stats, and he could have a 15 uh, team leagues. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then if you're looking for power late, I, I think there's, there's two guys. I mean, Anthony Rendon, we didn't talk about him. This is the only position he, we can talk about him. Huge risk, right? He was yeah. pretty good when he played, but injuries have been a problem. I think that uh, if, if performance is at all an issue for him, and they've got a really weirdly crowded roster in the infield over in LA, he's worth a flyer in 12 team leagues as like a last round pick. Someone mm-hmm. should, probably should scoop him up just in case, but uh, it's worth noting that injuries have been a problem for him at several times in his career. So there's that. And if you're looking for power, though, it's Juan Yepes uh, for the Cardinals. I think he's going to get some time at first base and third base. Uh, he's eligible at third base in actually in Yahoo leagues. He's eligible at first, third, and outfield. Juan mm-hmm. Yepes, he's mostly just power. He doesn't have much else, but it's worth a look, right? Especially oh, if you're like, hey, like, that. Like, I like that. Call. Last, yeah. last pick. I need, I, my power feels a little light. Cardinals have their red bird magic, right? Maybe something happens here. You get a, You know, he might just platoon and you can just cut him. But I mean, that's what we're talking about at this point anyway. So those guys can all be cut. But again, I just want to stress enough that there's no reason to draft Ryan McMahon in a 12-team league. There's no reason to draft Josh Rojas in a 15-team league. Uh, they're just—they're not good enough, right? In 12-team leagues, what you're really looking at—you need more upside than those players could possibly give you. Right? Mm-hmm. It's just not there. So if you skip, you know, when you're looking at the NFBC ADP, skip those boring dudes who might steal 20 bases. You don't care in a 12-teamer. You just yeah. don't care. Go just—just just wait and get something that's more fun. Right. Alex Kirilov will still be out there. You know, he was highly regarded. He's got a great hit tool. He could be a 20 something home run hitter if he can just stay healthy at all. Right. Minnesota is making more room at first and third base and in the outfield. So Kirilov's another interesting name. But I mean, it did get really ugly. Right. We spent all that time talking about the first half because it was something to talk about.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So. All right. Great stuff, Scott. Um, Remember, everyone, tune in to PitchCon. Uh, starts this wednesday january 25th runs through january 28th check out my buddy scott chu he's going to be doing a presentation on rolling charts definitely going to tune in on that Uh, make some donations to the als foundation a really great organization uh, fighting a brutal disease and uh, that slams the lid on things for today and uh next time we get back together another couple weeks don't forget to follow me at joe galena follow scott at if the chew fits and uh, subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast content from leave us a nice review if you don't mind and as always we hope that all of your fantasies become realities and we'll see you next time